Hi, this is Tim Winter. Welcome to What Would Dave Do? A digital conversation exploring the leadership experience. You can listen to it at timwinter.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Exploring the leadership experience. Really excited today. Of course, I'm always excited. I always say that. I'm always excited because I am excited. I've got great guests who want to come on the show and talk and explore the leadership experience, which is exciting. Uh, but today is very special. Uh, he's a very, very dear friend. I'm sure that we're going to go down some rabbit, rabbit trails and we're going to talk about some things. And, uh, you know, I met John. I hired John at uh, at Hollywood Entertainment uh, many, many years ago. And uh, I think we'll talk about that in the in the podcast. So uh, with that said, I'm very excited to welcome my guest, John Sanders. Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me. And, and you know, looking back at some of the guests you've had. Um, I'm glad to see I'm in the you know top ten invitee list. So that's, of course, that's, yes, yes. <laughs> no, it's good to be here. I, I was thinking about when we met, and I was thinking about Courtyard Marriott in South Center, Seattle. That's right. I was interviewing you for a regional, and it, it was it was interesting because we just um, we just had this alignment. Yeah, it was it was it was uncanny, and I couldn't I couldn't tell at the time I was thinking this guy's putting me on he can't be because I'm talking about you know servant leadership and being about the people and under really connecting whatnot with with you know those those that you that you work with and work for and you were just you know that, kind of taking that and running with and I'm going is he BSing me or is he the real deal <laughs> it, became, it became evident after a few years that you were the real deal. So <laughs> I appreciate that. So what have you been up to, man? I I, I did, you know, wow. obviously I ran into you in uh, in Seattle and we we flew to Salt Lake City together for, for Dave's celebration of life and we caught up a little bit, but yeah. for everybody else, what have you been up to? Um, well, so I've been uh, up to my eyeballs in uh, basically coaching. As you know, I do executive, actually emergingly, I call it leadership coaching, uh, merging leaders, directors, managers, and, and executives. And and then I've transitioned a little bit to uh, more towards physician coaching because in the, in the organization that I was with for the last um, seven years, I spent most of that time as the VP of operations. So I got to know the different levels and in Sonobello, the company I I'm still with uh, as a contractor, but I spent most of my time there uh, running the centers. Um, I dealt with physicians and nurses and operations people and salespeople. So when you get that many people kind of in a box together, it's, it's a recipe for, for all kinds of fun stuff and chaos. And so, um, yeah, so I've been I'm doing a lot of coaching and um, spending time with the family, uh, trying to spend more time with the family than in the past. As, as you know, when you're going 100 miles an hour climbing the ladder, sometimes you you neglect what means the most to you. But I, you know, trying to make up for all that time and uh, doing some traveling. My wife and I, Don, is you know, Don, we are also a coach, and we spent uh, spent some time the last few years. Switzerland and Costa Rica and going to Italy and Spain this year. So we're looking forward to kind of knocking off some of the bucket list, but most of it's been, most of it's been in our business because Don's a coach and I'm a coach. Uh, she does women in transition, career transitions, uh, health transitions. She was with, uh, with cancer research, uh, with uh, uh, a group that, dealt with a lot of cancer patients and taking them through the cancer process and hopefully recovery and, and all of that, but also dealing with the suffering and pain that went with that. And so she she decided she wanted to get in coaching, actually got into it uh, about four years ago, a year ahead of me, and uh, she's doing very well. And you know, I'm just kind of tagging along. I thought, gosh, she's doing really well and having fun. And I'm tired of the rat race, so I'm going to get into coaching. And the time the president of Sonabella said, hey, you know, rather than retire and go into coaching, why don't you just work for us? We, Lord knows we need coaching. 
and gave me a six-month runway kind of a pilot program and it's taken off since there and they're about 85 90 percent of my clientele now so and and uh so yeah it, it's i'm having a blast tim it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun well how wonderful that you get to go into business with your best friend <laughs> you know your life partner i know and, and that you know obviously you guys are aligned i've known you for years and and uh uh that she she kind of prodded you uh is awesome yeah. so so let me ask you this. So, yes. okay. So you're now you're coaching, you're a certified coach. You've gone yes. through many of, you know, it's, it's, it certainly isn't, you know, uh, encouraging CSRs to sell more red vines. Um, <laughs> right? Like you've leveled, you're, you've leveled up, right? I've leveled up to a degree, although you, yeah, you fluctuate with, <laughs> with the client and where they are and they're, yeah, their that's mood. true. Right. You meet them where they're at. You do. Yeah, and and that, that is a skill in itself. That is a, you know, I, I, one of our dear friends, uh, Larry Painter, I, I remember, oh. uh, bless his soul. Um, he told me one time uh, when I was leaving Hollywood, he said, you know, Tim, um, I take something from everybody I've ever worked with. And, and what I'm going to take from you is whoever you're talking to, wherever you're you're a hundred percent present. And he goes, I've never been able to figure out how you do it. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> Larry, I'm not going to speak ill, but he, had, he struggled with that. And yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, you have to be present. Like he really struggled with the fact I didn't carry my cell phone into stores. Like it really right. bothered him. Like, well, what a Mark calls you. Well, what a Mark calls me. I'll call him back. I mean, right. Cause you only have so much time you only have, and you must be present. So it, it is meeting people where they're at. It's such a great point. Yeah, no, it's, um, I, and that's a mark of a, of a, a, a strong leader, a really effective leader is the ability, ability to connect. And, you know, obviously you, you made an art of it. Uh, it came naturally for some people. It doesn't. Um, and I, you know, people used to ask me when I joined Sonabella and I became the, their vice president of operations. I, I spent for, you know, the entire four and a half, almost five years, I was in that position traveling about 60, 50, 60 percent of the time. And my boss asked me, you know, you don't have to travel that much. I mean, you can manage the business from the office and you've got good people out there. Um, why, why do you feel compelled to be on the road so much? That's gotta be kind of, you know, tough. And I said, you know what? I said, I feel the most comfortable when I'm in the centers dealing with the nurses, talking with physicians, talking with, with the operations people, with the front desk people, uh, salespeople. It, it, to me, it's always been that way. If you're not in the place where the where the customer is right there face to face with the team member. Um, you, you don't understand what's happening. You can't, you hear it secondhand through the district manager, regional manager, whoever, every once in a while you'll do, you know, surveys and find out what people are thinking, but there's nothing like being face to face. And you've talked about this a lot on your, on, your, on the podcast and, you know, a long time before. And that is that connection you can make with each and every individual is an opportunity to make life better for that person and for the, for the organization. And it just works that way. And I, you know, I felt exactly compelled the way you always have been. And that is to be there, to talk to them, to make their day, to make their moment, you know, remove roadblocks, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's great. Well, you know, it goes, people don't work for, for companies, people work for people. Exactly. And yes, you can call it in and yes, you can do all of those things or you can just be present and give of yourself um, because that's the real value you can add. You can't go in and do their job for them, but if you can be present and you can have empathy and lead with empathy, uh, plus it's just enjoyable. It's fun. I mean, people are fantastic, right? I mean, people are great. Uh, it's great. And when you can make them smile and make them feel good. And, you know, you're a, I know that you are a big, big believer in audacity, in, in kind of doing the unexpected, saying those things that are like, oh, well, well you, you, know, you really know something about me or, or you know something more about this job than most people in the office, the, you know, the headquarters know. And, yeah, it's, it, and it, it's just 
putting your arm around somebody and saying, you know what? Wow, I really like the way you talk to that guest. I really like the way you you, you lead your people or whatever it is. Yeah. You walk out. My, I told my, and I know you've had this conversation with the people that you work for, including myself. If you walk out of the place that you just visited, the center or the store or whatever it is, and you can't walk out, look yourself in the mirror and say, I made a difference. I, I've made somebody feel good about what they're doing, about who they are. Um, then you've, we've wasted a lot of time and you shouldn't be, should be doing something else. Yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, I sound like a broken record, but leadership is a privilege Yeah, and it it's not, you know, a right, it's a privilege. And when you enter into a, wherever it is, whether it's a center, whether it's, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I say it all the time, right? I mean, I worked with, with uh, video store clerks and rock stars and social yeah. workers and pot farmers and developers. <laughs> they all want the same thing. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. It doesn't matter you uh, because the leadership is the privilege. And, you know, these people are working hard. People are working hard every day. And if you go in and you're present, you lead with empathy and you give good direction and you're invested in whatever they're doing. I, I you know, again, uh, and you'll remember this, the, the Southwest Airlines, it's so easy. Mm. It's so it's so simple. Uh, you know, I don't know why. And I know a lot of times when I'm doing some consulting, I have CEOs asking me, like, Tim, you make it sound really easy. Oh, it's easy. <laughs> and I'm really yeah. apologize that I'm I'm oversimplifying <laughs> it because it's not easy. Um, it takes a lot of a lot of work, a lot of skill and um, a lot of discipline. A lot of I mean, it's easy to it's easy to to say, oh, I'm not going to go to that last center. I've got to catch my flight. But, you know, the right thing to do is to go to that last center and catch a later flight. Yeah, or a flight tomorrow if you yeah. have to miss your later flight. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's it. You have to look at it that way. Um, it is a privilege, um, and it's one that's so gratifying because when you can make a difference in those lives, and then you see some of those leaders, some of those rising leaders, those emerging leaders, that then go on to be effective leaders. The Matt Maligros and Jake Royalties in my Hollywood past that are mm -hmm. now doing so well, you know, on their own and, and uh, T-Mobile and you know, they've got great positions uh, and great are leaders. Are one of them, one of those emerging leaders, you know, approaches you about a job. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's where, you know, it's full circle and you kind of, <laughs> you kind of giggle, but it's full yeah. circle. So Absolutely. let me ask you this, with all yeah. the certification, has your philosophy about leadership changed over the years? Yeah. Um, well, you know, lead, my, I think our core leadership uh, principles haven't changed a lot. I think yours and mine are, are part of who we are grew up, growing up in, in different businesses. That's who we were, who we developed over time. I think what's happened with me is that, uh, especially with coaching, I've learned um, the value of slowing down, the value of of really looking at it from a coach's standpoint, you have to be able to be curious, ask the right questions because there people are coming to you for, for something. They're coming for an answer. They're coming for a, some, some, some vision, some light at the end of the tunnel to overcome maybe roadblocks that they put in their own way or their, that others have put in their way. Um, they've got insecurities. They've got issues that, that maybe baggage from they brought from their, their past. And, and so being able to slow things down and really ask them, you know, great open-ended questions that will allow you to get some insight into them. It's not like going in someplace where you kind of have a, you know, like we, like we did in, in our, in our past where we, we knew what to expect. We knew what the expectations were. We knew what people were generally thinking. Um, and so you, you kind of, you got to know them over time, whatnot. Here are these, these people, I get to know them over time, but at the start, I don't know them necessarily all that well. And so it's a matter of getting on their level, figuring out what their dreams and aspirations are and how I can help them get there. Um, the other thing I've done is I immersed myself the last four or five years in, in learning as much as I can about the human brain, the human psyche. And, and it's fascinating. It's become, it's become a, something I've immersed myself in. It's just absolutely um, incredible but just how 
amazing the human brain is and how it works and how you can actually train your brain to be more positive. So if you don't, if you have your, your negative emotions are problematic with you, um, you can actually train your brain to shift to the positive. It's, you know, positive intelligence is a big is a big um, movement after emotional intelligence, uh, positive intelligence, and it's uh, it really has has helped me in my coaching to be able to, and it's helped me personally to be able to shift. I used you know I used to be kind of a high strung guy every now and then. I know I came across as low key and funny and you know using a lot of humor, but you know in those moments you know when the pressure was on. And I'm the kind of guy that if someone ran me off the road on the freeway, I would, you know, oh my God, it's what a jerk. And, you know, like flash my lights and all that. A lot of good that does, right? You're just going down their rabbit hole of despair. And so right. whatever they're dealing with. And so I, I, I'm a much calmer person. The other piece to that. So, so yes, I, I've, I've changed, I've shifted. I've shifted to being more aware of myself and more aware of others and where they are. I do assessments, positive intelligence assessments, character assessments, personality assessments that help me kind of in my line of inquiry and kind of figuring out who they are, who they want to be and what they're dealing with, uh, values assessments, things like that, which are which are very helpful. But that, so would, yeah. Well, yeah wait, so is that how, like, you know, you, you alluded to it and, and maybe they are, maybe whether they're a doctor or they're a video store clerk. Yeah. Maybe, you know, they're people first, right? And, yeah. but how has your coaching changed? I mean, are your approach or has it changed? Um, you know, I think there was in, you know, we'll just talk about video or Hollywood. There was certainly, you know, CSRs, you could kind of group them yeah. and then assistant managers and, and store managers and district managers, you could kind of group them. Um, but when you're, you know, you've leveled up. I mean, you're you're coaching doctors now. You're coaching physicians. You're yeah. coaching, you know, ex other executives. Um, ha has your coaching changed, or is it yeah. is it so fundamental and just so, you know, empathy, emotional intelligence, uh, listening, or yeah. has it changed? Um, so each each level, as you say, leveling up. You know, you're you're. Your, your emerging leader as a manager or director, they're probably the most fun, quite frankly, because they're so, they're sponges. They want to, oh my God, how do I become an, an effective leader? As you go into the more of the directors and vice presidents and executive, the C-suites, whatnot, you have, you have a lot of people who think they're pretty damn smart, and they are, but they're not, they're not necessarily emotionally that emotionally intelligent. Um, they, they're, they're, they're book smart and they're experience smart, but they, sometimes they're not people smart, and so I get to I get to kind of peel back that onion. Um, and with physicians, as you probably not surprisingly, uh, it's a high ego. I mean, they're they're very intellectual. They've been to umpteen years of college and med school and and whatnot, and they're, they fine tune their practices. And here they are now, and you know, someone's told them they should try coaching to improve their people skills or something. So they can be right. a more, uh, you know, valuable part of the team. And it's like, well, you gotta be kidding me. And so it, it, a lot of it is understanding how to, how to make them feel comfortable, how, and how you build trust with them. And a lot of that sometimes is just acknowledging, Hey, God, you know, Dr. Cohen, you are, I was looking at your, your bio here. You, you've done some amazing things. You've written all these, you know, published articles and books and traveled the world talking about this surgery and that surgery. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, you know, and I ask, always ask them, so what do you, what do you hope to get out of coaching? And sometimes it's, well, I don't know, you know, I just want to, you know, hope, I hope people like me a little better or, I, or what, you know, sometimes some off the wall things. And, uh, and then, so you just start exploring and you just, it's a wide open. I tell them you've got a blank slate here. We're just we'll talk about what you want to talk about. I'll interject stuff based on what I see, what I hear assessment stuff, and we'll, we'll kind of let it go. And so strangely enough in with uh, Sona Bella, we said, we just want a, a five, a five session commitment from each of our people that we've recommended to go into coaching or, or volunteer to go into coaching because then I, I can get a good idea by five, by five sessions. I can usually do it by two or three, but by five sessions for sure, whether this person's really going to, going to absorb and learn something and get something out of coaching, make it worth their while. The ROI, the ROI is going to be there and they'll get a good idea. If they, 
feel like they can trust me. 90% of the people that I had 150 clients in coaching now through Sonabello, and except for the ones that have left and gone off, I've got about 90% of the of those, uh, my coaches, as I call them, are still in coaching. Some of them are just as needed. They'll they'll get on my schedule whenever there's something they really want to delve into. So most of them are like quarterly and a lot of them, actually the majority of them are about once a month. So it's a relationship building experience. Uh, it has changed. It, it's different based on kind of the level, but the core curiosity and inquiry and the trust building is all, it's all the same. Well, you know, the line I always use is arguably over the last, I, and, you, and you'll know this better yeah. than I, but over the last, you know, 15 years, Tiger Wood is are arguably probably one of the best golfers in the world. Yeah. And has been. Oh, yeah. Consistently, right? Yeah. And he has a swing coach <laughs> that lives at his house. I mean, he, when he built his house, he created a living quarters for his swing coach. Right. And they practice swinging every day. Yeah. And arguably the best in the world has a coach. Yeah. And we, we talk about that in coaching and, and we, we emphasize that when we're talking to organizations and whatnot, that is, that is everybody needs a coach. And they, my, my, the president of, of Sonabello will, will get up in front of meetings and say, yeah, you know, one of the perks we have is we have our own leadership coach and, uh, you know, he's coached me, you know, and I, yeah, Lord knows, you know, I need coaching probably more than anybody, but if I need coaching, you, everybody probably needs coaching. It's, it's, it's a valuable asset that uh, is now becoming so popular that there's so many people getting into coaching. It's, it's, I'm glad I got into one I did because and built up a good reputation and clientele because it's, uh, it's getting somewhat saturated like any good thing. Well, I'm glad that you got into it after you had all the experience that you had, because yeah. I think it gives you a lot of credibility. I struggle sometimes when I have coaches, when I see people who are coaching, who, you know, have, have, have never walked in the, in the, in the path. Right. Um, you know, it's, and I get it. You can learn it. It's a skill you can, yeah. and some people are probably wired that way. I, I, I'm not trying to make light of it. I just, I'm, 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 I think the value that you add given your experience is probably tenfold. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible to have that because it build, you know, everything is built on credibility and trust. And if you've got the credibility and the trust and then you, and you're, you're good at it, then you've really got all the components that can make you, make you successful. So yeah, my, Don and I even do some relationship coaching, which I don't think you, you know, I may, we may not have mentioned that to you in past conversations, but, um, and we've been through 35 years of marriage and it's a blended family and you know what that's like. And you've got, kids from both sides and your own and it's it's it and we've been through everything so we we said hey you know we've done pretty damn good we should impart some of our knowledge so we studied up the Gottman uh, organization here in Seattle the Gottmans are the world-class relationship psych psychologists psychiatrists researchers and and it's it's kind of fun it's kind of fun imparting uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's, it's, it is challenging. So what, so, so that's a great segue to, yeah. you know, what changes in the workplace have you noticed or what do you think the future of work is? I mean, this, this is such a hot topic right now Yeah, well, that, that, because work is changing. You have more, you know, what is it? Uh, 28 to 40 year olds who are, mm -hmm. who have taken themselves out of the work uh, force. And you have this kind of this attitude of um, that that's really changed, which is is forcing leadership. It's forcing companies to um, to adapt. But but from your vantage point, and, and you have the clinics, and you know yeah. you're doing some uh, relationship coaching. You're doing you know across the board. Yeah. What do you what changes are you seeing in the workplace? Well, I think, you know what, Tim, some, some things never change. And, and I know you, I think you talked about uh, with John about this was that, um, you know, people still have the need, the need for connection, the need for respect and, and common decency. And, and now these, in these times, it's, it's, if you don't, if you're not, a, if you're not able to give that, if that's not inherent to, to your business culture, then you're going to have a tough time, and people are leaving organizations that nor normally wouldn't have 
you know, they wouldn't have left because they, their, their mindset is no, I'm not going to put up with it. Back in the days with your parents and my parents, and then us to some degree, loyalty was a big deal. You, you got that gold watch when you're, you know, with 50 years in, you retired and had your pension and all that. And all those days are, are long gone. Now it's people, well, you've seen it, people go and they spend a year or two here, a year or two there. They'll go to where, number one, they feel valued. Uh, they feel like they're, they're, the work they do is appreciated. Uh, and if it's not, they don't hesitate. I mean, today's workforce will not hesitate to say, see ya. Uh, and of course, well, it's almost it's almost applauded. I, I, I my own yeah. personal story. I remember I spent 15 years of my life at Hollywood yeah. building that company. And I remember when I went out and after I left Hollywood to go into the job market, I can't tell you how many recruiters were like, whoo. Yeah, you spent too many years there. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. No, no, you're supposed to applaud that. That used to be really honored. It was respected. And <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, before I came to, if you'll remember, before I came to um, to Hollywood, I was, it's been a, you know, it was like I'd been in the automotive aftermarket retail business for umpteen years, worked for Packard for 10 years. And then, uh, then I joined uh, Tully's Coffee and it was a startup relative and trying to go up against Starbucks and spent a year right. there, a year at Car Toys, which is, you know, mobile electronics company. And that was an entrepreneurial company. And, you know, it's only spent a year there and it was, it was crazy. It was like wackadoodle. And I felt like, Oh my God, I've only spent, only spent a year or two at these, at these places. Now I got to go and tell people, you know, like at Hollywood, why I left my previous companies. Uh, fortunately, I, 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 met you and, and I don't know that you brought it up. So that was good. <laughs> I don't know that I knew that. <laughs> you, may, you probably didn't. <laughs> you know, I, I, I always say that. I always say, look, when I do an interview, I, uh, I make my mind up in the first 10 minutes. I, yeah. I spend the next 50 minutes because you wore a tie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Those are the days where you wore a tie for an interview. I, I, I hate resumes. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I, well, here's what I look for is I look for consistency, especially like on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. So if in your thing in LinkedIn, you say you're a people first, you're this, you're rah, 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 rah. Yeah. and then, you know, your number one endorsement is for financial planning. <laughs> it's not consistent. All I ever look for is consistency. So I think when I, if I remember now looking at your resume, it was consistent. It was retail. Whether it was, you know, 12 months or 18 months, it was consistent. Yeah. And and I was looking for either consistent industries or consistent roles. Right. Right. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Exactly. And then and then you look for the chemistry. Sometimes it's, it's you know, they talk about gut feel. And I don't, I know, I don't know these. You always tell people, yeah, gut feel is important. But, you know, make sure you at least you ask the right questions and kind of get to know them and, and validate that gut feel. But sometimes there's chemistry and the chemistry between you and I, I mean, I, I, I was a little worried about my, you know, what my orientation was after, after talking with you, I was like, man, this guy, he, he's, he's on the same page as I am to the point where it's scary. Right. It's scary. And, and that proved out. And then we went through some amazing seven or eight years of just amazing um, times of both lows and highs and, you know, the other 90%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there was a divorce in there and a, yeah. and a wedding in there. Right? Wedding in there. <laughs> yeah. You could write a book. <laughs> I, I, I could write a book. My, my, uh, my two divorces, was... two, two divorces, a, a wedding and a funeral. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's already funny. been done. Oh man. But I tell you, it wouldn't change those, those, those were learning times that were uh, difficult at the end, obviously, when Sona Bella was, was bought out and, and the leadership was was totally all about, you know, uh, dissolving and, and taking the money and run. But boy, boy we had those first, those first six or seven years were, were just incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So, so okay, so I mentioned this in the beginning, but obviously yeah. we had alignment. Um, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of alignment. I, yeah. I think... I, I don't alignment to me is not agreement. No, because I think you can be, you know, you can disagree, but I do think alignment of values and shared values. And I think alignment of, you know, 
you and I didn't agree all the time. I, in fact, no. I think we had some pretty big arguments over sure. certain things. Um, but how important is alignment in your practice? Um, so it, it's interesting. I was looking, I was, you know, kind of thinking about that uh, this morning in that uh, with coaching, what you have to, um, what you have to kind of allow yourself to be okay with is you're not going to be aligned necessarily mm. with, with those people you coach. You're going to have a physician or executive or anybody who, who hasn't seen the light. And so I look at that as the challenge. Okay. How can I, through my influence and, and maybe showing them, you know, results of assessments and, and feedback that they've gotten, et cetera, how can I take them to a better place? And, and sometimes it's just a shift. If I can get them to shift, you know, 10, 20 percent from being this kind of a leader to, you know, a, a leader, a leader who involves their people, just really connect to their people, then. That's okay because not everybody can be Tim Winter and John Sanders and you know John Alderson and you know John Scales. I mean, it's just not, it's just not there, right, for everybody. But you can at least move. But close. I am seeing a pattern. I mean, the the name John certainly yeah. seems to help. <laughs> well, I, I think somewhere along the line, I think your your real name is probably the Jonathan Timothy. <laughs> yeah, it was. I I shortened it. Shortened it. Yeah. <laughs> But no, and that's the, that's some, that can be difficult because you, you've got to put that aside and say, even though you think, oh, my God, this person must be a jerk to work for. Um, and, Would you ever know somebody? Have you ever said no? Yeah. Um, well, uh, I haven't said no at the onset. I've always at least given it um, a shot. And the, I, narcissists are difficult to, 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 you know, peel back that onion if they're pretty – if they're pretty far into that uh, rabbit hole. And I've had a couple of people that have gone two or three sessions and I said, hey, you know, uh, I'm not sure about you. Tell me what you think, number one. And most of them will say, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm kind of getting something out of it. I don't know. And they're wishy-washy and I'll say, listen, if you haven't, if you're not inspired to want to keep doing this, I'm not inspired to want to keep coaching you because really you've got, you've got things you can do. Um, I can, I could, I could, uh, you know, recommend another coach or a therapist or kind of throw in <laughs> therapists just to give them the, the message. And, uh, and, but I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's worth my time or yours. What do you think? And they'll, oh yeah, you're probably right. And, okay. And they're kind of relieved because now they can say, oh no, he, it wasn't just me bagging out of it. He was, you know, Right. Coach didn't want me. I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I, 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 I can blame you. Yeah. Because yeah. that personality is, you know, uh, that, that mindset, I shouldn't say it's a personality, that mindset, you know, uh, blame is, you know, the first tool they grab. And they're exactly. Tool exactly. Yeah. It's a shame. It, yeah. Um, a lot out there like that. Well, you're well read. I mean, you and I over the years have shared books. You're you're well read. We 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 that that was always kind of our hey. Have you read this or yeah. you, who who today? Who what leader? Or who are you admiring today out there? You know, there's just there's so many. And oh my God, there's such a proliferation of of authors and researchers and, and speakers. Um, you know, you can, it's back in the day. You know, and I, I, you know, Dale Carnegie, of course, I'm old enough to have known him personally, but, um, <laughs> you know, How to Win Friends and Influence, I still have that book on my desk and I still look at it for inspiration every once in a while. But, you know, you you go back through and you talk about, you know, the Tom Peters and the, the Blanchards and the Collins and, you know, and then the, the little or known um, people like, uh, you know, the guy, what was the guy that wrote the other 90%? I mean, he was. Cooper. He was, Cooper, yeah, Robert Cooper. Cooper, Farber. Farber, yes, uh, radical leadership. Uh, and and now, though, you, I mean, your mind, you look at, you look up leadership or leadership books, and it's like, holy cow. Um, but there's there's a couple, there's one that I really am into right now, and her story is amazing. Uh, it's Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's a PhD uh, um, uh, neuroscientist. And back in, I'll try to make this real brief, back in 1998, she had a stroke and she was, she studied the brain, you know, and how the brain works and everything, but she had a stroke and her left 
her left her left hemisphere of the brain um, was just was very badly injured, um, and uh, she had to have brain surgery. But that's the brain that is, it's all about your identity. It's a rational thinking brain. It puts two and two together and gets four. It's all the very factual, very rational. And your right hemisphere is your creative brain. It's your emotional brain. It's your, you know, that's where your ideas come from. That's where your, your, your positive thinking comes from. But her left brain was heavily damaged. So she lost the ability. She didn't know who she was. She just knew she was in this world of, wow, this is, she was in this, this euphoria state. Uh, and she started to come around and she had brain surgery. It took her eight full years to recover. But being a, a, a neuroscientist uh, studying the brain, she found it so fascinating. They had the wherewithal to be able to understand what she went through and, 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 then, and then learn from what she went through in terms of how the brain works, firsthand experience after having this stroke. And, uh, and she wrote a book, she wrote a book, it's called Whole Brain Living, I'll, I'll plug it. Um, the Anatomy of Choice and the Four Characters That Drive Our Lives. And it's fascinating. And if you ever want to listen to a, another good po podcast, if you get tired of listening to your own, which you won't, <laughs> and, and most people won't, but she does a podcast on the 10% Happier with Dan Harris podcast, Spotify and whatnot. It's episode 552. I still remember it took me a while to get through. It's about an hour plus of, uh, of him asking her questions about her experience. It is totally transformational. I mean, Tim, wow. you, you would love this because it really gives you some amazing insight into how your brain works. And, you know, there's a billion cells. It's all circuitry that just everything you do is you know, one, one cell or a cluster of cells is, you know, basing your response to something or why you do something on, on how it formulates what you should do or how you should act. Um, and so it's, it's, it's mind blowing. Uh, so that's, that's my go-to book. The, the person I admire the most besides her personally, obviously is, is my partner in crime, my wife, cause uh, you know, she saved my life. Uh, I say that, somewhat jokingly, but not completely, because I don't think I ever reached my full potential until I met her and grew with her because she's such a compassionate, you know, strong individual. Her heart is, you know, is, it's just huge. And she uses that in coaching and she, she does an amazing job. She's a better, a better coach in a lot of respects than I'll ever be. Uh, and so I, you know, I let her coach me and God knows I need it, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah, um, she, has a, she has an amazing presence. She uh, has a great presence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she yeah. is very calming and it's just a very, uh, it's in control. If yeah. I'm ever, uh, in a plane crash, I hope she's a passenger on board <laughs> <laughs> because she'd be really good. <laughs> Take it easy, Tim. Calm down. Is it gonna be <laughs> no, I'm telling you that, she, that, that, that you know, if whoever survives it, she's she's going to rise to the top really quickly and, and yeah. control that situation. Um, yeah. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. So I, and, I, and what you you asked about? I'm going to just digress a little. You asked yeah. about how my coach. One thing that's been constant throughout my life has been the use of humor. And people say, "Oh, well, you know, that can be dangerous. You don't want to be uh, go off into any." you know, topics that you shouldn't be or, you know, make fun about this, make fun of that. Um, and no, you have to be cognizant of that always. But, you know, I was a military brat, so we traveled every year or two we moved. And so I, I never in one place more than a couple of years and school, always changing schools. My armor was my sense of humor and I, and, and making other people smile and, and laugh and, you know, by being that, that funny guy that you can relate. And, it's always gotten me through the difficult times uh, as well as, you know, it was the good times. It, 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 it just made me, a, uh, it's made me a, a, a person who's been able to in, endure and, and uh, had, and have more resilience. Um, and and you, you probably know it as well as I do. And that's where the Fernando comes from. And that's where, you know, my alter ego Fernando yeah. and, and being able to, being able to get people to, to, okay, let's, Life is serious enough. Let's have some fun. Let's you know make light of what we can make light of, especially our own ourselves. And and so, uh, yeah. I mean, I I'm a I'm a I'm a wannabe comedian, and uh, you know I 
I absolutely love the, uh, you know, some of the old old comedians and and you came, Robin Williams. I mean, what a genius, you know. Well, it's not too late, buddy. I mean, you you can still go do open mics. I, 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 well, I, I, I think he knew. I may have told you this. During college, when I was going to school there at Arizona State, I actually did do a lot of open mic. In fact, I started the way I started was by heckling the wannabe comedians that would go up. And I, I you know, I would, to tell the truth back then, to be to totally transparent, I was probably under the influence most of the yeah, time. Sure. And so it, my courage was there. And so I was ready and I'd go up and I'd go off on tangents, you know, that you and I are famous for. And, um, and, and it would, it, I got asked to come back and that I never took it seriously. And of course, once you sober up, it's a little bit different. <laughs> I'm getting you too much information. <laughs> no, it's funny. We had, a, we have a, a, a dear friend, Misty and I have a dear friend who's a, a, a a stand-up comic and actually yeah. making a pretty good run at it yeah. and um, recently has gone through a, a period in her life where she's also mm -hmm. sober yeah. and she's like oh my god like <laughs> doing comedy sober is so different it is and yeah. the reaction and being able to play off the audience and remember and yeah it's 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 really really interesting well the best comics will tell you they you know they oh. they, they they would always perform straight um, because it is, uh, you know, it's a very, very, um, difficult, um, profession. Yes. I, I, I don't know that I could, I can, I'm happy where, I, where I'm at, what I'm doing. I'll use the, the comedy on the side and then my, in my coaching when it's appropriate. But uh, yeah. and when you and I are together, obviously, of course. you know, I, and mine, I wasn't a brat, a, a military brat, but I used comedy because I I grew up with dyslexia, and when yeah. I was growing up, they didn't yeah. know what dyslexia was, and so you know when I was asked to read out loud in class and simply couldn't do it, um, you know I'd make a joke and yeah. everybody'd laugh and uh, you know there goes up that that's a great analogy there goes my armor, right and uh, I wasn't going to have to endure the humiliation uh, because I just win them over with with humor. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting time right now with humor. Uh, and there's a lot of people talking about it. There's a lot of, yeah. you know, great comics who say it's dead. Yeah. There's a lot of people who, you know, Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce couldn't, oh, couldn't perform today. No. Um, no. You know, they, they wouldn't. Even comedy specials like, you know, Eddie Murphy Raw wouldn't right. make it today. I don't think you could do it. Um, which is for me, who's a student of it, who loves it, yeah. who appreciates it. Um, yeah, it's it's really sad for me personally because I know how much work goes into oh. producing that and to, to to being funny, and it's it's not easy. No, it's uh, it, it is kind of it's kind of sad um, because it has shifted and it, it's it, you have to be yeah a lot more cognizant of what's going on and some of it is. You can talk, argue about over the top or it's appropriate or whatever. And um, that's, you know, that was part but, of the, but here's the cutting edge. Cutting edge was, that was, that's where you got, you know. Here's the thing where it serves you well, those kindness. And yeah. you're a kind of person. So, yeah, you'll wave it in and you'll, you know, Fernando will make an appearance here or there. But, it, no but the, found, <laughs> the foundation of it is <laughs> kindness. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, the heart has to be there. I mean, it's one thing to be quick-witted and and be able to you know go off on tangents and be audacious, but if the, the heart isn't in it, then yeah, it can it can definitely not not work. It can or it can go astray. Absolutely. So with that said, you've got yeah. a you got a young executive, just got his you know first promotion, uh, probably a VP or above. Yeah. And. Um, you know, going to take on a new responsibility. What advice would John Sanders give that person? Yeah. Well, if I'm fortunate enough to be in that position quite a bit or have been in, in over, over the years. And as a coach, I can do it more holistically, but um, I tell him, you, you, whatever you do, just, you've got to be yourself, you know, yourself, you've got, you've got three areas you have to think about all the time. One of them is, is you, your, your physical health, stay healthy, 
you know, do those things that that keep you healthy, keep your body healthy. Your bodies are made to be in motion. If you get stuck behind a desk, you know, that doesn't, this doesn't do anybody any good. Um, and you've got your mind, keep your mind sharp, always learning, take a learning approach to everything. Um, and, and, and always ask why, never stop asking why, why, why are we doing it this way? Why can't we, why, what if we did this? Um, and then, and then there's your heart. Um, you know, always carry that that uh, that empathy. Don't worry about having your you know carrying your your feelings on your sleeve, your heart on your sleeve. Um, that's okay. It's not it's not a weakness. It's a strength to be able to connect to people, care for people. You know, people talk about you know, oh, yeah, I go out and I do an occasional random act of kindness. I say, well, that's good. Random acts of kindness are good. They're good for you. They, you know. The, it releases chemicals in the brain, you know, the oxytocin and it, 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 you know, makes you feel good. And that's great. But what about going out and doing what I like to call deliberate acts of kindness? Look for every opportunity to make somebody's day, to hold the door, to say thank you. The little things that we talked about uh, a lot when we were together, you know, it's just, you know, making sure that you, you keep those three ingredients and live for live. Don't live for tomorrow. Don't live for tomorrow. Don't worry about collecting things. I want, I want to save up and get a bigger house. I want to save up and, and get a, a faster car. I want this title. If I'm, you know, I'm a director, I want to be a, I want to be a CEO or something. Okay, it's okay to dream. It's okay to have aspirations, but don't bank your happiness on what may or may not happen because you may not be here tomorrow. Right. You know, you, you've got to make the most of the moment. And if that, you know, it's one thing to be to have pleasure. And there's a lot of things that give you pleasure. It's nothing to find happiness. And that's in, in finding a reason to be who you are. It's for, it's, it's for, you know, finding that, that, that thing that makes you happy. And then that usually has to do with, with you know, helping others and, and helping others grow and, and being a good person living in, in that moment and, and having fun too. And having making it as pleasure as possible. You just never know. You've lost too many people. I've lost too many people. When we get our up up in the you know where where we are, you understand that the mortality is you know it's this is fleeting. Life is fleeting. You gotta you gotta live it to its fullest. And well, I think it, for me it was when I realized that I had fewer years ahead of me than <laughs> a, than than behind me. Right? Like yeah. Um, there's, there's more, I've used up more time than I have. Yeah. yeah. As a golfer would say, you're no long, longer on the front nine. You're on the back nine now. <laughs> towards yeah. the 18th green. And, uh, boy, you better make every shot count. And, that's and I, I do agree. I do agree that finding that happiness or finding that, and it's usually not a thing. Right. right. I mean, right. we've we've both seen this where people are, you know, are just empty holes and they're just filling it with with drugs, alcohol, sex, cars, boats, whatever it is, things, yeah. clothes. Um, and 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 it's you know, it's a bottomless pit. Yeah. yeah until really until you find you, you can't, you know, you'll go in debt, you'll have a lot of problems. Um, it's it's filling that with uh, you know, whatever God gave you. And, and, and making the most of that. And I find that when you do that, those other things come, you know, it's like chasing the dollar. Yeah. People will leave a job for 25 cents a dollar, whatever more. And it's, you know, you'll find themselves chasing dollars for the rest of their life. Yeah. Find that contentment, find that gratitude in what you've been given and then live your life to the fullest. And, it, it, you know, I believe in the laws of attraction. Yes. And I think when you're living your best life, when you say, you know, it's as simple as remembering your please and thank yous. Exactly. Like, why is that so hard to hold the door for somebody, to to be generous, uh, to be grateful? Yeah. You know, I, I, people, oh, you know, I got this crappy car. Well, you could be walking. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get it. But when you're grateful at that, whatever point you're at, the other, it, it, the laws of attraction come into play. Yeah, and yeah. and I've seen it a million times. Uh, yeah, it, it is. I think that's I think that's great advice. And well, it's, yeah, it's I think it's, you live it, and it's kindness and your own happiness. And I wish I'd have learned it. 
30 years ago, but I didn't. So I can't, you know, it's okay. You, 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 you grow and you learn and hopefully in the end, you've, you live, you've lived a good life and you're able to, the nice thing about being kind and being, being generous is it's contagious. I mean, it, I believe in the butterfly effect that, you know, one butterfly flapping its wings on one side of the world can actually create a typhoon just because of the laws of motion and, and, and attraction. It's uh, if, 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 if you treat people kind, you never know when that's going to affect somebody down the line. You know, it's the pain it forward without knowing it. It's it's incredible. Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, you and I could talk about this for days and weeks and months. And it, it is. Know. It's and I will tell you. You know, I was sharing with you earlier that um, you know at Easter brunch, uh, I had a person come to me and discuss the the that the the episode with john scales got him through a tough patch yeah and uh that what they were hearing and that and you just don't know you you don't know but if you're you have gratitude you have generosity and you want to give more than you take I, that's my give more than you take when at the end of the give day just give more than you take yeah yeah, Robin Williams had a, has a quote, you've, I'm sure you've heard it, because I, I don't know how much value I've added to this universe, but I know that I've made a few people happier than they would have been without me. And as long as I know that, I'm at peace, you know, I'll, I'm as happy as I'll ever need to be, based yep. something like that. It's just, I mean... Yeah, you, you, it's a good well, He was thing. immensely prophetic. Or, or, he was. Know, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, he and he was a lot deeper than Nano Nano. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, I know. It, uh, it, it's um, yeah, quite. I mean, yeah, an interesting life. Uh, one that was torn. He was tormented. Um, you know, it just you hated to see him go because he was a genius and, and a great, say, a great philosopher. Yeah, yeah I, I I saw him at Child's Hall oh, at wow. um, University of Portland, and uh, he went for a solid three hours. And oh. in fact, they were turning up the lights in the auditorium and he said, oh, I want to keep playing. You guys want to stay? And I was like, I don't think I can stay because I, I really believe I'm I'm cramping up at this point. Um, yeah, because I don't I don't know that I can humanly laugh anymore oh. uh, because every part of my body hurts uh, oh. because he just he just, uh, you know, his his uh, his take on the world was pretty special. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're coming up against our time, yeah. uh, John, but this is what would Dave do? And I know you yeah. had a special relationship with Dave, and I always like to give, I always like to end the, the podcast on a memory. And yeah. uh, for those guests who know, uh, who know Dave, um, you know, I like to, what's your favorite Dave memory or story that you <coughs> can share? Well, like several others that uh, have gone before me on this podcast, um, there's there's a, there's a lot of them. They all evolve around his caring and his ability to connect um, and make the time. And and so there were times when I called him, especially after 2009 and Hollywood had, had dissolved. And I was out there trying to do a consulting business that I didn't know what the heck exactly I was doing. And I I would call Dave and, and regardless, even if I – he was busy. He'd call back. And so we had a lot of conversations. But the two things I remember the most is when he was when he was uh, with Hollywood, he would send out his Friday food for thought. I know you probably remember mm -hmm. Friday. He would send out this words of wisdom, if you will. And I don't know if he called it Friday food for thought, but it, it was a regular diet of of Dave's inspiration. And, and I and so I took that I stole it from, adopted it from from him and I to this day I've done it in every position I've had even in nonprofit um when I was in Vietnam I would do it with my Vietnamese friends and they go oh what, what does this mean <laughs> and I'd explain but um and I, I still do it to this day um and and then the other thing is long after Hollywood I got a I got a card in the mail and I opened it up and there's this card and it said from the desk of Dave. And inside he had this quote from Albert Schweitzer. And it said, in everybody's life at some point, at some time, our inner fire goes out. It is then, it is then burst into flame by an encounter with another human being. We should all be thankful for those people who rekindle the inner spirit, Albert Schweitzer. And that was Dave. He rekindled the inner spirit 
pretty much anybody he came in. And I'm sorry, this this is choking me up, but that's the kind of person he was. That's, that's who I remember. And he lives on in, in the people that he touched. And it's it's just, you know, an incredible life and incredible legacy. One that we can all aspire to be, you know, to have. So, yeah. Well, that's that's beautiful. And, you know, I... I um... I, I share the sentiment. I, I um, there have been many many days uh, since he passed that uh, I forget. Uh, the other day I went to text him and uh, realized he probably wasn't going to get that text. Um, well, maybe I, I probably should have still sent the text. Um, but yeah, Dave had an amazing effect on on so many people, and. Uh, only hope he knew that's uh i only i only I, I think you know his humility probably didn't allow him to um but you know as you saw you were at the celebration of life as i oh, was gosh. and we certainly saw it oh my gosh and um you know your your recollection of of the note there's a lot of there's a theme of a lot of these notes dave was a, a prolific uh, note giver um <laughs> <laughs> and and people cherish them to this day. Um, oh yeah, I think that's what I love about this podcast. I honestly feel like I collaborate with them every day. I I say his name at least once a day. Yeah. I, um, I have my "What Would Dave Do" coffee mug on my desk. And, <laughs> you know, I I don't really feel like I'm doing this alone. I really do feel like uh, we are collaborating on this, and and that uh, he has an impact on the on the success or on the on this thing, just keeping on rolling. So yeah. um, it is, uh, it is uh, something I cherish and uh, well, as I cherished our friendship. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great way to keep him in everybody's mind and memories. Not that he would go away because there's too many, he was too much, he had too much of an impact, but it's, it's keeping and keeping that legacy going and doing the things that he would want you to, to do and say, and, and yeah, you're taking advantage of him a little bit. I'm sure he, he appreciates that, Tim. Oh, he's a, <laughs> trust me, it's goddamn winner. <laughs> Ride my goes. coattails again. There he goes. <laughs> there he um, goes. Yeah, he's going to tee him up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. He, he used to. Nobody knows this. Like so many people do not know this, John. That so much of my, so many of my jokes were not my jokes. They were Dave's jokes. Yeah. Dave just would never say them out loud. So he'd whisper in my ear. He'd give me, he'd tee it up. And of course I'd do the delivery. Uh, yeah. and, 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 uh, yeah. and, and it's still happening. So, uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I still, we're still doing that. Dave's still teeing it up and I'm still giving the delivery. So nothing's changed. Uh, nothing has changed. Well, John, listen, I appreciate our friendship so much. It's what yeah. we're going on. How many? 25 years. Something like that, Tim. Yeah. More, and, more. and I'll say if you, if you need coaching, cause I know you do at different times, <laughs> uh, if you need, you know, certified coaching, you can, you can reach me at, uh, John at Sanders coaching team.com. You know that, right? I know that. <laughs> and no, and I'll tell my audience, I'll tell the audience, like, look, if you're seriously looking for some coaching, uh, whether it's, you know, a deep dive into it, whether it's career advice, whether yeah. it's just that, you know, you're making a transition into a new role and, and having some guardrails is not a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't recommend, uh, you know, anybody better than John for that one-on-one, -on -one, uh, personalized, he's got the experience and, uh, and he loves what he does. So, you know, reach out, John, give your, email or however they can contact you one more time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Tim. And I appreciate that. Um, it's uh, the website is as uh, Sanders coaching team.com. And my email is uh, John at Sanders coaching team.com. Uh, so yeah, I'm absolutely loved what I do. And I love what you do, Tim. I love you. You know that. And I uh, keep doing what you're doing and we'll, this friendship will go until, you know, <laughs> there you go, buddy. Well, listen, John, I appreciate it. Uh, give Don a big hug for me yes. and, uh, and we'll be in touch and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks Same for with... being on the show, buddy. All right. Thank you, Tim. Give my best of this to you and we'll talk soon. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye.